Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Jay Parson and Michael Baranowski. Hello, and welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week is, as always, Cleveland attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson, the man to see for all your commercial litigation needs. Well, our top story this week is the second Republican debate on Wednesday at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California, Uh, sort of a marathon debate, almost three hours, I'm told. I didn't actually watch three hours of debate. That seems like it would be a sort of uh, uh, masochistic type of thing. Jay, did you watch the debate? I made it through about two hours and 15 minutes. That's um, impressive. And, and again, no, I, I'll tell you, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought really? it was a lot of fun. I just, I was just like really tired and I had to work the next day, but you know, so. Well, you and you and 23 other, 23 million other Americans, which is a, a record actually for CNN. Huh. Yeah. So it was uh, a little less than the 24 million that got the Fox debate on uh, August 6th. It was my theory. I have a theory on that. It's that some Republicans just automatically boycott anything that's associated with CNN. So I think you just that, don't have that channel on our cable. Yeah, that it probably, <laughs> yeah, you skip right through. You programmed it that way or something like that. So before we talk well, about I think I'm, I'm also I, it could also be I mean, it was on a when was the first debate? What night of the week? Well, I don't know what night. Of the week uh, I mean, I think I, cause sometimes I think it matters what it's what you're up against. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, sure. And also, uh, uh, yeah, night of the week. And and again, this was a a three hour sort of marathon debate. So, and I want to say before we talk about the specifics of the debate, I, I want to make a point about what I feel is the absolute ridiculousness of the format, because when you have ten candidates, even when you have three hours. The idea that you can have a real, any sort of real significant debate is just ludicrous, uh, especially when you give people one minute to answer questions and 30 seconds for rebuttals. That's that's not a debate. I'm not sure what exactly it is. It's a series of, I don't know, campaign spots or something like that, but it's definitely not a real debate. I, I, I agree that it's it's a difficult format, um, but I, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I think I'm hard-pressed of how do you do it any other way. Um you know, if even if you were to say, well, we just want the top five, uh, the problem is you you have you know Trump who is who is sort of the commanding lead, and then all these other folks who are really 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 close to one another, and it's I think it's really difficult to you know draw the line between well this guy should be in the debate because he's pulling it at four point five percent, whereas this guy is pulling at four point three percent. So I, I I think that's you know I I don't know what the answer is. Um, but, uh, other, other, other than we just keep doing this and, and people will, will drop off as, uh, uh, you know, funding dries up and so forth. So, well, yeah, I, I think it's, for me, it's another reason why I hate super PACs. Uh, and the connection might not be immediately obvious to a lot of people. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's, here's the connection is in the age of super PACs, pretty much any Yahoo who can find some millionaire or billionaire to, to, to stake him in a campaign can be a viable contender. And uh, back in the good old days, when the party leadership had more control over these things, you wouldn't have such a ridiculous free-for-all for, for the nomination. And I miss the good old days where wise people who were behind closed doors in smoke-filled rooms were making some of these decisions so we wouldn't have so many 
knuckleheads running for president just because they happen to be able to uh, convince some knucklehead who made $20 million on something that they might be a good president? Well, uh, I, I think that's kind of funny. And I, I would, uh, you know, I think uh, we've had conversations uh, probably years and years ago where uh, I would still be for the uh, election of senators by state legislat- uh, state legislatures. Um, I think there's something uh, to be said for that, yeah. Uh, just from a, you know, the, from a federalism uh, sort of aspect. Um, but yes, what you're proposing is uh, quite undemocratic. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I think the problem uh, but, with but democracy no, the, is the, too the, much the, democracy. There, there is, no, there is something to be said that uh, a, a party is its own organization and it ought to be able to choose its candidates its its own way. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I, get, I get where you're coming from. It's it is well. It's just very frustrating, I guess. And uh, uh, I keep on telling myself that at some point, before too long, Donald Trump will will fade away. I'm fairly certain of that. Although, if you take a look at the polls, it's kind of interesting. There was a poll that came out uh, this week that said 39% of Republican primary voters uh, believe that Trump was their best shot at winning the presidency. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I I haven't seen that poll. And again, I'm always curious as to who they're polling where if it's if it's 39 percent of actual republican primary voters uh or if it's just you know someone's calling and saying do you plan to vote sure um as as you know there's a huge difference uh from saying you're working off a list of here are uh people who have voted in the last three or four republican primaries uh and uh here's here's someone who just says you know yeah i think i'm going to vote well and it's important also to point out that primary voters tend to be somewhat insane compared to normal people cuz normal people don't vote in primaries uh activists crazies nuts those sort of people vote in primaries uh, at least in disproportionate numbers and so they may very well believe that but i think if that poll were over uh just republican republican identifiers that would be a very different sort of number and yeah. And I should also point out with all this with all this focus on the polls, uh, uh, at this point in time, eight years ago, the top two Republicans in, in the polling were uh, Giuliani and Fred Thompson. Yes. And 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 Hillary Clinton had an 18 point lead over uh, Barack Obama. So yes. polling this far out means uh, essentially nothing. I and I gave I donated a hundred dollars to uh, Fred Thompson's campaign back then. Wow! Um, at uh, at which point, then I, I kept receiving phone calls pretty much every other day, uh, requesting more support. Mm-hmm. And it it seemed that was that was their strategy was was to look to me for funding, um, which which is. Yeah. You know, responsible for his eventual failure. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I know I made the mistake of donating to uh, McCain just a small amount in 2000. And uh, and for a, quite a long period afterwards, I would get all sorts of notifications, not just from John, but from Cindy, too, uh, when yeah. it was John's birthday or things like that. It was <laughs> I almost felt like part of the family really there for a while. It was it was kind of nice, but they they faded. I don't know what happened. I, I hope I didn't do anything to offend John or Cindy. But um, anyway. So uh, I, I saw something interesting this week. Uh, Christopher Orr in The Atlantic was talking about the uh, Republican nomination, and he suggested that if you want to understand the Republican nomination and and Donald Trump, you really need to watch Caddyshack. 
Okay. And and right then, and I'm, got, I'm, I'm assuming Donald Trump is the Rodney Dangerfield sort of. Exactly, uh, Ronald, Donald Trump, Ronald Trump, Donald Trump would be uh, Al Cervic, I believe was the guy's name, who uh-huh. Rodney Dangerfield's category, and uh, it was also pointed out that the Country Club, which would recommend, which would be of course Bushwood. the GOP, yeah, Bushwood, <laughs> Bush, I mean, right in there, so. And clearly, Jeb Bush would be Judge Smales in this. Uh, so, if, if nothing else, people should watch Caddyshack just to get a better sense of the Republican the Republican primary. I think that's I think it's a good idea. So, I think yeah, I think watching Caddyshack is always a good idea. Absolutely, you can't really watch it too many times. I don't think so. But um, so so yeah. But to I, the yeah, to debate itself, yeah. What, what uh, how, did you watch any of it? I, I no, I don't watch debates. Oh, I, I will watch. I will watch the general election debates, but I will right. not watch the primary debates. I will not watch any debate that has more than four people on a stage. Never going to mm. happen. Mm. But I understand that Donald Trump wasn't quite as blustery, and apparently some people have this delusion that Carly Fiorina is going to do something or other, which is absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, what did you think? You watched some of it. I I thought Carly Fiorina was fantastic. Fantastic. I thought it was her night. Um, now, whether is, is she going to be the nominee? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. Um, but she she uh, has become a, a presence in this election where she was sort of a footnote before. Um, I could see that. I could see it right now. Carly Fiorina, she can do for the country what she did for HP. Well, maybe not. Well, actually, that's. You know, and, and, and fair enough. Uh, uh, but. Uh, she's she's filling she's stepping into Donald Trump's uh, niche there, which is the the outsider business person, uh, and and she's got the the sense that she's tough but less nasty and and less goofy uh, than Donald. Well, that's Trump. yeah, that's a pretty low bar, absolutely. Um, well, it is, but but that's sort of the bar that that everyone has to get over. Yeah. Um, uh, ben Carson, I think, did not have a good night. Now again, this is just me talking. I, I, I think that, I think a lot are, of people have said that as well. And Carson, of course, right now is uh, running second in the polls, a distant second in the polls to Trump. Yeah, and and, and is sort of the also the outsider, but like the nice guy outsider. Um, uh, but but he seemed to be, uh, you know, on the immigration stuff, his guest worker program, and uh, it, it was. I don't know whether you followed what what exactly he said, or I'm surprised there hasn't been more criticism of it afterward. But oh, yeah? uh, you know, sort of the guest program where uh, where people well, they wouldn't be citizens, and uh, they would still have to pay some uh, some back taxes, and they would work in uh, agriculture. Of course, uh, I mean it was it was just sort of like you know, Ben, this this isn't going to a good place, right? Um, so. Uh, well, yeah, I, he just seemed generally sort of well. I'm I'm open to a lot of ideas, and um, you know, but not particularly forceful. Other than just hey, I'm 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 a brain, I'm a brain surgeon, and I'm a nice guy. So, well, I, I think one thing uh, with uh, Fiorina or Carson, really, it would be it would be kind of nice or fitting that an actual conservative were leading in the GOP nomination, uh, and, and currently Trump, who is certainly isn't a conservative is doing that. Uh, it kind of ties into the day before the debate, the Club for Growth announced that they'd be spending at least a million dollars and more to come to uh, oppose Donald Trump for the very fact that he isn't, in fact, a conservative. He's just a yelly, screamy kind of anti-immigration knucklehead. Uh, I'd, I'd agree. 
but I'm, I'm usually with the, where the club for growth is. That's you usually going to find me there too. Um, my other takeaway on, uh, as far as performances at the bait goes, I, I was again impressed by Marco Rubio. Uh, I think of the, of the group of the senators, uh, that we're talking about, Rand Paul, Rubio, Cruz, uh, and, um, well, I guess, I guess that would be, be it, but, uh, he's, he is again looking like the adult in the room, uh, and he's got a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. And he's he's telling the sort of hope, growth, and opportunity story, uh, which again, I'm I'm saying this this is just sort of my personal preferences, and this is what appeals to me because I was like a a Jack Kemp guy from you know from way back when. Me too, yeah. Um, um, uh, but but I, I I really I really feel good about a Rubio uh, candidacy, whether it's this year or or in the future. Yeah, it might it might be in the future. I don't know if he's if he's going to do it this year. But he's he's still he's uh he's up there in the top. I think right in the top five, pulling a little over five percent right now. So who knows what's going to happen when Trump eventually implodes and who's going to get some of those votes? But uh, maybe. Yep. So any other any other debate thoughts? Uh, you know, I would say um, I don't want to sound like a bad Ohioan. Um, I thought Kasich did okay. Um. Again, I've I've been uh, in a position to I've I've heard John Kasich speak uh, in numerous settings live. I mean, probably more times than I can count. Um, and I'm someone who's who's a little bit jaded in that I've I've seen a whole lot of political speeches, and a lot of times it's just kind of you got to sit through it uh, while you wait for them to bring to the dirt and coffee. Um, but um, you know, the times I've I've seen Kasich live. Uh, he has been able to rouse a crowd and you're ready to go out and uh, stand at the barricades and, and uh, you know, again, take America back sort of thing. Um, when when I see him on TV and on the debates, you just, eh, you yeah. know, you get this sort of, eh, he's okay. So I think it's maybe he just doesn't transfer as well to that medium. And again, the format yeah. uh, of this debate where it's this kind of free for all and um, you know, what it reminds me of is, is the the Olympic snowboarding event, where well, it's okay. sort of like everybody starts at once, and you all go over the hills. And I'm, I'm trying to think what you what you call it, but um, it's just this fantastic free for all with all these snowboarders jumping and running into each other. And it, the debate was a little bit like that. Wow. Okay. Now, now almost so, half. Sorry, I didn't catch at least. I don't know the first hour and a half or so. Because I mean, there was no actual snowboarding. Course, oh, oh, okay. Well, but, then maybe. But you, maybe but, you, okay, but there was a there was a sort of. Um, you know, everyone was sort of raising their hand and, hey, wait, 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 you know, calling me and, and uh, 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 ooh, ooh, Mr. Carter, uh, you know, sort of thing. Everybody trying to jump in. Yeah. Um, uh, that that was kind of kind of funny. Um, well. It, so anyway, that that's where I am. Is, is I, I, I feel bad because I think, I think Kasich is a great guy. Uh, I think he can do well. I, and I think he performed, again, well at the debate, but, but I wasn't blown away. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, he's going to have to start blowing people away. Yeah. I don't know. If that's really going to happen. Stay in so it. yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to our next story, which is something that actually didn't happen this week. And that's on Thursday, the federal was federal reserve said it would not raise its benchmark interest rate, which has been not quite at zero, but at 0.25% since oh, 2008 now. So uh, did this surprise you, Jay? Um, 
you know, I, I think everyone had been expecting sort of some sort of incremental uh, rate increase or at least maybe a signal that, that one was going to be coming then the next time. I think with all the uh, China stuff that happened just a week or so before, uh, there was there was more caution with the Fed, uh, and and we're just going to stick with where we are and uh, uh, stay the course. Um, you know, we we could have, we could devote like an entire podcast series marathon on on monetary policy, and I think probably both of us are just you know know enough about it to be dangerous. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, but. Well, I, I think, you know, you mentioned the China thing where China's stock market just basically uh, imploded there for a little while. Uh, I, I think some other factors are, though, even though a lot of people say, well, unemployment is uh, fairly low, I think a little over 5%, which is generally considered about as good as it gets. Uh, right. There's um, the asterisk there. Yeah. And that's the uh, what's called the labor force participation rate because of how unemployment is measured if you're not actually looking for a job you're not you're not counted in that and so right. actually our labor force participation rate has been more or less in free fall since the recession and right now uh, I took a look this morning it's at 62.6% which is a 38 year low so yeah. a lot of people aren't even bothering looking for jobs which makes the unemployment numbers look a lot better than they are and not only that but Inflation actually is quite lower than the Fed's target. It has an unofficial target of or a semi-official target of 2%, which is where they want to see it, which is kind of a sign that the economy is is uh, moving forward at a decent pace. And right now, I th- believe it's 0.3%, which suggests yeah. things are pretty sluggish. So you yeah. combine those things with China, and uh, it, I think it makes sense that they did not raise, their, uh, did not raise the, uh, the, that interest rate. Well, and then actually, I mean, uh, my God, could you imagine if they had? Um, I mean, the week the stock market had last week. Yeah. Uh, even, even with that. Well, well they're indicating <laughs> that they still might. Still. Uh, Janet Yellen said that they, they still might uh, hike up rates before the end of the year. And uh, there's sort of an ideological split on that. A lot of liberals feel that that would be a bad idea and that uh, we should keep on stimulating the economy uh, for uh, quite a bit longer, whereas more people on your side of the fence uh, would seem to argue that uh, rates should come up sooner rather than later. Yeah, remember David Stockman? Oh, from way back when the the way Reagan administration when, budget he, director. He cranked yeah. up the interest rates, but but you know it it worked. Uh, there was there was pain in the short term. Uh, now again, at that point, they were combating some some serious inflation oh, that we like don't have double digit inflation. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and we don't have it for a number of reasons. Uh, some of it, a lot of it, I think, having to do with Asia. If you look back in the 90s, too, there was, we were in sort of a, a really gifted period where there was uh, an, an Asian recession, particularly in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, that, that allowed us to uh, sort of, you know, keep lowering our interest, uh, interest rates, have sort of an aggressive monetary policy, and again, not feel the effects of inflation. Um, so we, we may be in that situation with, with China uh, going forward. Again, I... I will. I will say I'm not enough of, uh, you know, not knowledgeable enough to tell you one way or another. And it could be that no one is. It's just you know, we wait and see what happens. Very complex stuff for sure. Okay, let's move on to uh, social policy. Actually, Planned Parenthood. Uh, House Republicans on Friday voted to block all federal funding for Planned Parenthood, which they uh, have accused of apparently going in and ripping fetuses out of women and selling them to. I don't know, probably Vladimir Putin or something like that. I'm not really clear exactly what 
what fabrications they've come up with uh, lately. Well, it's not. I, I would say it's not. Apparently, it's it's uh, Planned Parenthood's executives bargaining for uh, baby parts. Uh, no, I. There's I, no I, apparently about it. I think there's a big apparently about it. They're not actually selling baby parts. In fact, they're not able to. They're not able to do that. They don't do that. Uh, how? Well, no, no, no. That's like saying I didn't rob the liquor store because robbing the liquor store would be illegal. No, uh, that, so I couldn't have done it. They're not. They're not exchanging baby parts for money. It's just not happening. And those videos don't show exchanges of video of uh, of of of. Uh, fetuses for or parts for for money now there is in fact they they can be compensated michael corleone kill anyone in the godfather movies so this is the but standard yes. we're going to use oh, okay well that's a good standard uh, given given all no, the I'm good saying, work saying, that planned you know, parenthood how, does do we need video of the actual exchange the cash changing hands i think we need proof. When you have when you have someone who says we do this so that we can get the most profit uh when we uh, sell these these uh, parts. Yeah, the the, the pro- so-called profit they get, they can get up to $60, which basically pays for their expenses in transporting and that sort of thing. That's that's their that's their major profit. That's not a, it's not a profit center. They're not making money out of that. You know, where they're making where they're making I mean they do provide a lot of abortion services something I mean, like that. That's well, well again, I'll go back and this is something I I feel sort of strong about. That's like saying, like, look, I'm not really make, dealing drugs because I'm losing money on it. I'm a bad drug dealer. Um, you know what I'm saying is well, they're still selling. They're still selling human tissue. They're not selling. They're being. They're being because they're being compensated for their. You, you might say it's a semantic thing, but they are not allowed to make a profit. And there's no evidence that they're making a profit. They're they certainly not expected to give away this tissue at a loss. And so they can be compensated up to sixty dollars for their time and expenses. And that's what's going on. And some groups who don't like that are making it into something it's not. With some uh, maybe doctored videos. Wow. Well, you know, I, I guess, you know, we're going to have to, and, well, maybe not. I, you know what, what, where I am on this is, again, with the understanding we're taking parts of a, of a baby. And whether, whether you want to say they're making a profit or not making a profit, uh, they are transferring it to someone else and they are receiving money for that service. It's perfectly legal. For sure. So it's that matters illegal. when you is, say, yeah, is it is it horribly immoral to be selling pieces of, of uh, human beings who who are within inches of of being delivered and being an actual living, breathing person? I think it, it when the alternative and in some cases are. I mean, I would I would I would I would back that up. I I apologize to my my pro life friends. I, I misstated that. I would say, uh, in, you know, being well breathing, I guess, still qualifies. Uh, I didn't want to imply that it wasn't, uh, you know, the fetus is not a person uh, just before delivery. But well, yeah, this I is mean, this, this is tissue that's the result of an abortion procedure that otherwise would go to waste. And so, why in the world would you essentially just use it 
dispose of it like medical waste when it can be used in some way to help other people. It's, it seems like it's similar to somebody arguing against organ donation after death because, well, I don't know why. It makes no sense to me. Why wouldn't well, you no, use no, no, this? No, no, no. It's like, it's like arguing against or organ donation while you're alive. But they're not alive. <laughs> These are, there's, they're, my point but is, they're not alive. There, there, are cer- there are certainly people out there who would be, who would be uh, well-deserving, who, who need a transplant and who need a kidney. And there are probably plenty of people sitting on death row uh, who who have organs that are, are going to no use. Uh, but you certainly wouldn't advocate uh, going ahead and uh, euthanizing those people so that we can take their organs. Huge difference because these are the result of legal abortion procedures. So we're yeah, not talking about legal too. Well, yeah, absolutely it is. But that's I mean we're talking about abortion procedures here, right? And so I don't understand what the, what the objection is. It's not like, it's not like babies are being killed for this. That's simply wow. not, that's simply wow. not what's happening. You think, you think women are going into Planned Parenthood saying, Hey, could you kill my baby and sell off the parts and maybe cut me in for 20%? I mean, come on, that's not what's happening. Well, why, why let, let's, let's, uh, let's spin this hypothetical out. Why shouldn't the mother be, uh, be compensated. Why shouldn't the mother be compensated? Because nobody, yes. nobody should be compensated for that. Why, why should no one be compensated? Because I would argue it's an, it's immoral to profit for selling body parts, which is why right. we don't allow well, people to sell their kidneys and other things like that. So your position is it's a more, it's immoral to profit, uh, but it's okay just to take the money to cover your expenses. Yes, Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll we'll leave it there, and, and I guess you know, uh, listeners can decide the the, the moral implications sure. of that. Um, but uh, on let's on let's on the political issue of it, uh, on on the defunding, um, basically setting aside even all the the moral pieces of this, and just looking as a fiscal conservative, why the hell should the federal government be paying money to Planned Parenthood? Well, they do a lot of good stuff. I mean, most of the things they do have nothing to do with abortion. The overwhelming majority of what they do involves things like screening for STDs and infections and contraceptions. And and, and when I think about it that way, I don't understand why the GOP wouldn't be behind that because most of the people who use their services are poor. So they're actually preventing more Democratic voters. That seems like a win for the the Republicans. Oh, my God. I'm talking to Margaret Sanger reincarnated. Well, that was um, obviously a joke, but go ahead. <laughs> but, that, that, but that was exactly sort of the argument that Planned Parenthood's founder started with, um, uh, was we can't have any more of the wrong kind of people. Which is disgusting, uh, she, yes, absolutely. And she was pretty yeah. explicit as to yeah. who the wrong kind of people yeah, were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but just on, on the politics of this, so they do some great stuff, and, and uh, Planned Parenthood uh, keeps making the case that, no, 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 we hardly ever do abortions. We really don't do that many abortions. That's not what we do. We're all about passing out condoms and doing uh, health screenings and all that sort of thing. I think if Planned Parenthood were to say, you know what, we'll, we'll cut out the, I think the number I've, I've seen that they say is only 3% of our services are abortions. If they would cut that out, then I would say, great, fund them. But they won't. But they won't do that. Well, that's because they're one of the only one of the only uh, abortion providers to uh, low income women, and so that's very. I mean, that that's hugely important to people don't have who don't have the means. So I think. Now let's let's talk uh, briefly then about 
if they provide abortion, there are it's pretty much standard federal law. Uh, I think it's it's is it the Corker Amendment, the Hyde Amendment, Hyde Amendment. I apologize. Um, yes, that's attached to most everything that says, uh, listen, the federal government will not fund abortion. Except in and cases of rape, been, incest, or to protect the life right, of the mother. Right. Yeah, right. And and um, the, Fed, the uh, Planned Parenthood sort of gets around that by saying, well, we're not taking money for the abortion services. We're taking it for all the good stuff. Right. And okay, that's a bogus argument. And again, money's fungible. Yeah, and yeah it's, exactly. So so that's, that's my problem. Uh, regardless of how uh, you know, first of all, think back to the Clinton formulation of abort, abortion ought to be safe, legal, and rare. Um, you know, the rare kind of gives away the game, doesn't it? I mean, it's uh, if there's if there's no moral problem with this, then why does it need to be a rarity? Um, and and uh, if well, if people are that are that conflicted, say, listen, you know, people may have a right to abortion, and, and uh, I disagree with that, but I still have a problem with my tax dollars being spent to fund it. Uh, is it that much of an extreme position to say, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have tax dollars fund that? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. I think it's a completely legitimate political position, and it's a position that looks like it's not going to succeed, at least in this administration, since even though it had the votes in the House, it doesn't really have the votes in the Senate. And President Obama said he's going to veto it. So no, I think that's certainly that's up for reasonable political debate. And it looks like as long as President Obama's president, that uh, you know that's that funded lack of funding or that cutting the funding is not going to go through. Which is right. how it's how the system's supposed to work. I have no problem with that. Right. No, and I agree it's not going to go through this time. Um, but uh, you know you have to raise the flag. You have to uh, uh, make that sure. make that point. Nevertheless. Um, my final point, though, to this would be to all who keep arguing, we need Planned Parenthood because they provide all these medical services. Um, what happened to Obamacare? Wasn't that the entire rationale of, of uh, Obamacare, that people will now be able to get all these preventive, preventative treatments and screenings that they were denied before by their media insurers, uh, and everyone has to be covered? So why, why do we even need um, Planned Parenthood to be providing these services. Okay, so shouldn't we say thank you, Planned Parenthood? Your work is done. Well, clearly, if they're providing a lot of these services and people aren't getting them elsewhere, then that would suggest that they're not uh, not being provided under Obamacare to everyone. So, uh, I'm not really sure exactly what the interaction is between those between those two uh, between what Planned Parenthood does and what's covered under Obamacare. But it's it's an interesting question. But I think the fact that they have such, it seems like, reasonably brisk business at Planned Parenthood would suggest that people aren't getting the sort of coverage for reproductive health things that they that they need. Well, then, then, then shame on Obama for uh, selling us this bill of goods. Um, <laughs> so, so you want it both ways? I mean, well, so you, yeah, I don't think you're really a fan of Obamacare. No, I'm not. I'm not. But I'm, I'm just saying if the argument is uh, Obamacare was passed on the argument that we have to do this because we have to help uh, these people uh, who aren't getting these services. Sure. And now the same argument is advanced of, well, we can't defund Planned Parenthood because these people need to have these services. Um, and and you're, you're suggesting well, the facts are on the ground. And you, you were probably right that people still aren't getting these services. Uh, 
you know, well, part of it, I think yeah. that, that, that shows a, a failed policy all the way around. Well, I think part of it, it's just an imperfect policy. Obamacare doesn't cover everyone. There are gaps, there are holes in the coverage. And part of that was just simple uh, cost issue. Part of it was the fact that, you know, initially, I think a lot of people were hoping for some sort of a single payer solution that didn't come about. And so, you know, it's like any major piece of policy. It's a result of a lot of compromises and it's never going to do everything one wants it to do. So you try to fill in the gaps with various other things. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's move on to something a little bit lighter after that. Well, there's something we can probably, something we'll probably agree on mostly, I I suspect. Yes. I wanted to, I saw an item this week where uh, the former director of the Nobel Institute uh, mentioned that he is very regretful that the committee gave the Nobel Peace Prize to President Obama in 2009. Uh, He said that, well, you know, we gave it to him because we wanted to help him pursue nuclear disarmament, but uh, he feels like it really didn't have that effect. And right away I thought, so that's how you get the Nobel Prize for something that, not that you've done, but that maybe you could possibly do in the future? That just seems so screwy, don't you think? I agree. I mean, every day I work uh, to bring about world peace. Um, Good for you. you. Know, and, yeah. and I got nothing for it. Nothing. Uh, you know, you <laughs> could be strengthened with the Nobel Prize. Yeah, there's some money that uh, goes along with that, it, too. It's starting to piss me off. So. I, yeah, I think it should, you know. So, so yeah, the Nobel Prizes, I think they're about as legitimate as the Grammys at this point, you know. So I don't really put much stock in them. But it was it was at least refreshing to see this. I don't know if this guy really means this because he has a book coming out, and so that could be a great way to sell some books. Who knows? But uh, I think it was just ludicrous. That's the second time I've used that word in, in, in this podcast. But it, it, it applies. It was ludicrous that President Obama got the Nobel Prize in 2009. Yep, absolutely. And it's nice to hear somebody on the committee admit that that was a mistake. So, yep. Okay, um, you had a pretty interesting story. We're kind of running low on time, but I definitely wanted to get this in. Something about global warming, a topic we've well, talked again, about before. Well, again, we've talked about global warming plenty of times, and there was a, a story, and I, I, I will send the link. We can put that on the uh, uh, the, the page, but uh, I forget who it was from, maybe sort of a Crypto Mundo or, or one of those more reliable news, news sources. Um, uh, but they are linking the the decline uh, or absence of a Bigfoot population on global warming. And uh, wow, I, yeah, I, I hadn't really read anything about that. But if our Bigfoot population is you know in peril, that's that's a concern, I'd say. Well, and, and exactly, I think uh, to me this sort of sums up so much of, of global warming because you know again, our, my argument uh, is that in many cases the evidence for Bigfoot is uh, likely stronger than that for the global oh, uh, yeah. warming people say. Okay, get your little uh, but, shot. But in. now they've 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 tied this together, and uh, we have sort of the wonderful scientific uh, syllogism that uh, global warming uh, must be occurring because we're seeing fewer Bigfoots. Um, so I think that's sort of, um, again, my just just a beautiful uh, uh, sort of sort of syllogism that that really sums the whole thing up. And um, well, I think Bigfoot lovers everywhere would be concerned about this, and so we definitely want to get that posted. This out there magnificent so creature, at like, magnificent uh, losing creature, habitat, yes. uh, it's it's uh, disappearing. Uh, Bigfoot really should be the new face of global warming. What the what the polar bear has yeah, been, the polar bears. Um, so yes, I, the, I, sort of the shaky image of the, the 70, uh, 67 Patterson film and, you know, stop global warming. So I somehow, somehow I think that's a campaign that won't quite take off, but who knows? We'll have to see. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. 
If you have any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. That's politicsguys, one word, at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate the show and write a quick review. We'll be back next Sunday. We hope you'll join us.